Hello, everyone, and welcome once again to In the Finest Hour, a 40K competitive podcast that gives you tips and strategies you can use in about an hour. I am your host, Sean Morgan, sometimes known as Abuse Puppy, and I have with me, as always, our good podcast host, Shaylin Allen. Allen West. You'll eventually learn it. Allen West. Look, you have, you're, you're getting up with me in terms of total numbers of names, so you can't expect me to remember four things. <gasps> can expect you to remember that, like, I married someone. <laughs> I often do not, so you may have too high of expectations. Uh, and also, our evil podcast host, Ben Jurek. Hello again. You're not increasing your number of names, are you? You're, you're sticking with just what you got? I'm gonna stick with what I got for now. I mean, Jurek does sound pretty cool. <laughs> if you ever decide to pick up a West, then just just let me know in advance uh, so I can look. Try my and, wife like, and I were just a bunch of jerks. It's fine. <laughs> ah, man, what's with our evil podcast hosts and having the best last names of the crew? <laughs> eh, I don't know, man. I don't know. You pick them. I guess. I guess. Is that part of the? Is that part of the process? Uh, you know, I think we're going to tell everyone it is at this point. Like, we've established a precedent. I don't think we can break it now. Yeah, obviously. So this time around, we're going to be talking about uh, a subject that obviously a lot of other podcasts and a lot of other uh, 40K sites have hit up in detail. Uh, but I think there is still a lot of meat to dig into. Uh, the new GT Mission Pack from the... Uh, pseudo chapter approved book that they put out specifically the field manual which honestly is a pretty nice little book just on its own we're gonna start right there little it's designed to be slipped into your army case and taken with you yeah it is not that many pages what like just over a hundred it looks like uh it it is not a big book like for all those people who are complaining about like having to carry around a bunch of garbage at the end of eighth with yeah i mean fair you did um this is a real easy carry yeah i i'm in love with these with these little chapter approved books they put out they, they have everything you need with quick access to it um all sorts of things i just want to you know splurge about between like uh you know rules indexes rare rules like just all the weird crap that you would normally need to have your phone out for or, like, find a weird part of somebody's codex, it, it, yeah. it's all there. Well, and that's one of the best ones, I think, that has flown under the radar is the uh, the field manual is not just, like, the points and missions. It's also, like, all of the relevant parts of the main rulebook for competitive play. Yeah, it's ever it has a glossary in the back for quick reference. Yes. It's... It's fantastic. Uh, there, there are some things in this edition that I am not super on board with that GW has done. Not a lot of them, but a few. But this, they absolutely hit it out of the park. I uh, well, the field manual is just the points book. We we also have the GT book, which has which is the book that I'm crazy about. Yeah, well, I kind of consider them a single thing, even though they are technically separate books. Yeah, they. I mean, they really do just go together. You want if you have one, you have both. Um, yes, because you're going to watch your point references and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, it's but no, this is this is one of the most friendly things I've seen done for a game that um, 
has some accessibility issues, uh, especially for newer players yeah. and such like that. Yeah. Um, and has been like the learning curve has always been a little bit sharp, especially with all these like weird rules and weird interactions. And they did a way better job than I thought they would um, as mm-hmm. far as like highlighting it. It was one of those things where we didn't exactly ask for it in droves, but we got it and I'm happy it's there. Yeah, it's, it's actually nice that GW recognized the need for this without the players specifically having to, like, call out and say, like, hey, can you do a thing? Uh, GW just, like, realized, like, oh, this is what our game needs. The other nice thing is this is the same GT pack everyone gets now. You can carry your own tournament pack with you. Yes, presuming all tournaments are using the, the same rule pack, which I think is pretty reasonable to expect. Uh, and that's actually a really big deal that I, I wrote an article about, and I think we may talk about sometime in the future, just like everyone plays the same game now. Uh, but yeah, like it's, this is a, a really nice little pack that just, they did a, a great job, honestly, with the, like all the stuff and the missions included. I am quite happy with the missions overall. Did you just say you're happy with GW book missions? I know. I it I I know what each of those words means on their own, but I don't know what they mean in combination. It clearly means we need to talk about the secondaries now. Yeah, why don't we go ahead and start diving into that? So, we're not going to talk about the primary missions really in this one. Um there is a lot to go into there. That is a very interesting subject. Um and despite them all being pretty close to identical to each other. Um, I think there is a lot of nuance to discuss there, but we're not going to go into that this time. Um, The only thing we will note is just sort of a a preface to all of this is remember that they each have their own secondary mission attached to them that you can choose. Uh, And that's in addition to all of the, the common ones. Many of those are very achievable, and especially when you're facing an army that doesn't have like an obvious kill target or that can screen you out of their deployment zone or whatnot, um, many of them are very much worth considering. To be honest, uh, some of them are not are more than worth. You just you're, you're honestly picking two secondaries, and then your yeah, mi- and then your mission. <laughs> yes, uh, priority target is comically easy to score it's like sit on your own objective all game okay yeah uh when shaylin and i played that one i think we both like we would have both maxed that one out basically yeah um but yeah some of them are also quite hard one of i remember the other one was but one of them is basically get on the enemy objective which is like oh that's not easy to do. Why would I take that over the other? Some of the other secondaries are available to me where I just need to be in their deployment zone. Um, right? Hmm. Yeah. 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 They, they didn't think that one through them uh, that well. Yeah. I mean, there's the, like, you can stack it and stuff when, and stacking objectives is actually a thing again. So that's worth considering. But yeah, there is a lot of variability in how good the mission specific secondaries are. Uh, so why don't we why don't we do just a, a real brief overview of what the the mission secondaries are kind of like what like and what the how you choose them? Shaylin, you want to touch on that a little bit? Sure. Um, so I'm looking at the cards I made for them rather than the book. Uh, so I know what mm-hmm. the groups are, but I don't know what the groups are called. So forgive me in advance because sure. I don't have that in front of me. Um, 
So the very first group is a set of three. Uh, it is a stand in a certain place is how I would theme the objectives. One of them is much like the old ITC recon, uh, where you score victory points if you're in at least three out of four of the table quarters and not in the center of the battlefield. Let's, and if you get all... What, what, let's... Okay, let's let's go ahead and call them out by name because okay. we're going to be talking about them a lot. So calling them, you know, this one and that one and the other Sorry. one. Um, yeah, uh, engage on all fronts is the uh, new recon. Yes, which I was rambling um, on about. Um, yeah, so you score two VP if you're in three table quarters, three VP if you're in four. And you have to be outside of six of the center yes. for any of those to count and wholly within that table quarter. Uh, which is another important distinction from the old ITC recon, although I believe the Nova one was the same. Uh, you had to be wholly within a quarter. My um, horde playing heart breaks. Yeah, it's definitely tougher, although, uh, you know, seeing one unit spread across three table quarters was always a little absurd. <laughs> uh, so I am glad that they have made that a little bit more difficult. Um, Look, you can score this one with aircraft still, so that you can. is true. Uh, it's one of one of the few that allows you to use aircraft to get it, uh, which is appreciated. I'm glad they didn't completely kick them out of the game. Um, I think the interesting thing. I was, was okay, going to com comment that the next one explicitly excludes aircraft. Well, so right, most of them do. That's why I think it's it's useful to note that this one doesn't because it's one of the few that does not. It's um, also my jab at Sean. I'm sorry, you're... I said it's also my jab at Sean. Oh, so. okay. Ah, yes. Well, I mean, I don't play aircraft no more because they, they didn't want them to be good anymore. So, yeah. DW is still struggling with balancing aircraft. Um, so what are you guys' thoughts on this one? Uh, is this something you're going to want to take fairly often? Do you think most armies will want this, or do you feel it's a little too niche? Um, I take it if I can't think of another idea, my army wants to be everywhere at once anyways, so it's kind of alongside a battle plan. If you're fighting sure. over the center objective in the middle of the table, it's probably not a great one to take for the missions where that's relevant. Um, because mm -hmm. it wants you to be outside of the center, so if you're going to fight over the center, don't take it. Yeah, I feel this is pretty incompatible with, um some of the other action-based ones that want you to be at the center of the table. You would not want to take Engage on All Fronts and Psychic Ritual at the same time. Which I've done. Yeah. As far as Battlefield Supremacy objectives go, this is one of the uh, easier ones to score, in my opinion, um, specifically on the missions where your objectives are going to be in table quarters. Um, Which, yeah, a lot of them are. Yeah, so there's... This one, I feel, is easier to score than Linebreaker or Domination, which are the next two uh, in Battlefield Supremacy. Yeah. Um, so if I'm going to pick one uh, specifically in this lineup, Engagement All Fronts is the one that I would likely go with as long as I'm not fighting over uh, some sort of middle situation. Um, as, as you guys highlighted a little bit earlier, uh, yeah. it's, it's hard to do both. Now, there are some armies that would excel at it. Um, you know, armies will have MSU armies that could easily you know like i can still i can deep strike grots now mm -hmm. and you know they're only like yep. a, they're they're not inex they're not expensive to just drop a couple groups in and be like hey look i'm scoring points uh <laughs> yeah 
I think those MSU lists are really where this is going to excel um, because you can just sort of catapult units into any given table corner. Um, and, and that's fairly easy to do. But I think compared to the other battlefield supremacy objectives, uh, it does have an important difference where you're getting either two or three points per turn. Uh, Linebreaker can score four points per turn, so it can actually rack up a lot more quickly. That, that was my next point was, you know, you want to you wanna pick these ones you can easily score uh, 10 plus on without much of an issue. Yeah. Um, and this requires you to essentially on every active turn doing like be scoring it. You can't like in previous, in the previous season, uh, in previous edition, we dirty returns. You could just skip doing your secondaries and be like, okay, I don't need to do the secondary this turn. I don't care. I don't mm-hmm. need to score it. Uh, where this one, you always want to be scoring. You always want to be working on all your objectives at the same time, primaries and secondaries. So there's a bit more of an onus on it. So, um, yeah. don't like previously you can be like, Oh, I just won't score this, this turn. You really have to think about that turn one of, can you engage in all fronts? Yeah. If you're not getting it turn one, I think that this may not be a good objective for your army. Cause you, you don't need to expect to score 15, but, um, you know, turns four and five are going to be rough. You're going to be real short on units. You may not have four units on the table. Mm-hmm. Um, so you need, I think if you need to be able to expect to score this on turn one, if it, if you want to make it a good pick for yourself. Yeah. The, that's, and that's also somewhat mission specific there. Like, especially if you have sure. a foot slogging army or an army that's a little bit slower, it's like, well, some missions I'm 24 inches away and other ones I'm 18 inches. Right. Um, uh, so this becomes mission dependent at some point on uh, there are some missions I would pick this and some missions I wouldn't. Yes. All of these we will, we'll, we'll put the Obviously. caveat on of like, there are times when you wouldn't pick them. Um, let's go ahead and move on to talking about line breaker, which is kind of similar. Uh, you need to have two units in the enemy deployment zone that aren't aircraft. Uh, and if you do, you get four points. Which, four points for a single turn's work is actually quite a lot this time around. The issue is getting your models there. It's true. Uh, Some armies will struggle a lot with it. Um, But there are some armies that have very, very tough or very, very cheap deep striking units. Um, And honestly, it's not that hard, you know... uh, Orcs have, like, Commandos and Gretchen. Uh, Custodes and Grey Knights have their their troop choices with their nice little, you know, armor and invulnerable saves. You, you drop two Terminator units into the enemy deployment zone, they're probably not going to chew both of them up. That's true. My, uh, my issue with it, why it's harder for me to pick, is, uh, is, ho- is the term Holy Within. Uh, that can be a bit mm. difficult to pull off. Um Three turns of scoring this with certain armies and certain missions seems pretty doable. So I still like yeah. that 12 point. I still like for sure getting 12 points where yep. it would be equivalent to engaging all fronts, you know, getting at all but one turn. So I'm, I'd yeah. be happy with that. So um, line breaker is still obviously a pick to make. It's not, you know, you're not going to, it's not a secondary to ignore. Um, but that holy within definitely uh, smarts just a little bit, especially if you have a fast unit that can kind of like get halfway over, but can't quite do it on the turn you needed to. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the the other trick is that uh, 
depending on the enemy army, you know, you may not have any room to deep strike something into their zone. If they just crowd out the whole zone, then your plan can go to hell pretty quickly, and that's not great. Yeah, and smaller um, boards make that even more difficult, so... Yes. Uh, the flip side, and something we haven't really mentioned so far, is all of the battlefield supremacy ones score at the end of your turn, as opposed to the beginning of the turn the way that the primary and some of these others do. Um, which does mean that your opponent doesn't really have a chance to try and stop you from getting them. It's like, if they haven't screened their whole deployment zone, you can just put two units into there and score four points, and they may kill those units, but you'll still get four points. Yes. Typically, you, you know, your opponent's going to know uh, before you have put uh, things on the table that what exactly your secondaries are, so they should be able to do something about it, but... Right, they can they can screen you, but um, their interaction is limited in that they can't stop you reactively. They have to stop. Oh, absolutely. Um, yes, and you still have five turns of activity in this one, where the other ones are all four turns of activity. Yes, that is a very big difference. Uh, so let's hit this last one, which is. Interesting. Uh, domination. Score three victory points if you control more than half of the objective markers at the end of your turn. Uh, this one is interesting because it basically just says play the primary mission extra hard. I like it. Um, it's a, it, is, it is somewhat mission specific as we're, we've made the caveat for already. Um, yeah. It, uh, my only issue with it uh, on the flip side of, of me not liking it is it is a win more situation. So let's say you're not playing the primary well. Um, yeah. How are you going to make up points if you're also losing the secondary? Uh, yes. This is definitely a confidence vote um, that you'd want to make. Like, can I for sure do this? And is my army going to just die elsewise? Like if you're going to really suck at killing stuff and having your stuff get killed, um, but you're going to be great at holding objectives, then yeah, domination is the thing for you. Um, but if you're if you uh, if you're trying to you know if you think it's going to be a, a give and take game it's going to be really close and you need secondaries that are scorable outside the primary mm -hmm. then, then you're you're going to suffer twice as hard. Yes, uh, this would be a very easy bad pick uh, in a matchup where the enemy is able to strongly contest your board presence. Uh, also notable that uh, the number of objectives is going to have a huge effect on this one. If you pick this in the four objective mission, you better be real confident about how many models you're going to get onto objectives. Because holding three of four objectives for multiple turns of the game... I'm just going to be rude and say it's a mistake. Yeah, it probably is most of the time. Uh, on the other hand, on the five objective missions, you know, you just you hold the two in your side of things and you hold the one in the middle and you're golden. Um, that should not be particularly difficult to do for many armies. Yep. Yeah, that's 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 where more comes to mind there for sure. Uh, so that is the battlefield supremacy ones. Uh, for those, yeah, for those, we haven't really specifically talked about it, but you can only pick one from each category. So no tripling up on those, uh, or any of the others. Although in most cases, I don't think you would have wanted to, um, these ones particularly are sort of like mutually exclusive in terms of how you do them. Uh, so let's move on to no mercy, no respite, which is, uh, 
one of the kill types. Uh, it's interesting that they basically have two different types of, of killing objectives, but they are different enough that I feel like it's, it's warranted. Um, so first up, we have Thin Their Ranks, uh, which will be familiar to basically everyone who's played secondary objectives before. Uh, you get a victory point for every 10 models you kill, or instead one for each model with 10 or more wounds that you kill. Uh, technically tallied up at the end of the game. Yep, just kill a bunch of stuff. Design-wise, design wise, I don't like the direction this went compared to what we had in the ITC in the, last, in the late part of 8. How so? Um, uh, specifically intercessors, um, two oh, wounds counting okay. toward Reaper was so much friendlier, so much nicer. Uh, this kind of undoes that debuff that they did to those units. Um, the, yeah, it probably didn't probably didn't really come across the table as something to something to do, and it still plays fine. Uh, this is still a fine mission to take, and you know because you're picking this based on what your enemies comped of. But mm-hmm. uh, intercessors dodging it once again is. Is a, it's a little bit saddening. I liked that yeah, we could actually kill intercessors. I, I think it's a, before. it's it's a tough thing to design for because there are you know some wounds with multiple some models with multiple wounds do have a very clear like oh this is supposed to be a big guy he should be worth more points uh, but some other times. Um, the, you know, multi-wound models are supposed to represent, like, weird horde guys, so, like, you know, a Ripper Swarm probably should not be worth twice as much as an Intercessor. Yeah, they should. Um, I, they, they control Seed and controlled Veed, uh, ITC Reaper, I would have been happy, but this is very similar. It would have been um, fine. Yeah. Uh, I think this one, yeah, I think this one was intentionally designed to punish Horde somewhat, uh, which I think was needed to some degree otherwise the the level of board control you can get with just a horde is is very very powerful in these missions so the next one is grind them down um another progressive one um this one is actually basically just the itc uh three victory points at the end of the battle round if you killed more enemy units than friendly units were destroyed yeah um for for anyone who played the the Killmore stuff in ITC, this will be a very familiar battle plan. Yes, the last one is interesting. Uh, it's a little different than the others. It's not about killing things; it's about keeping your stuff alive. It's a yeah. confidence vote. While we stand, we fight. Um, you pick the three most expensive models in your army, not units, models, which is a very relevant discussion or a distinction. Um, and at the end of the game, each of those that is alive is worth five victory points. Yes. So it's basically, are they going to get to your little characters or whatever? Because it's probably a character. Well, depends on what your army is. Um, there are lots of armies that are going to have a vehicle that is more expensive than any of their characters, or a monster. Um, so for armies that can make this three of their characters, that's often great. Uh, because you can just stand your three characters behind some squads and make sure they don't get eaten. Uh, and that sweet, is worth sweet it. Sweet, sweet demon princess. Yes. Uh, it's not going to be hard to get 10 points out of this if you can make it three characters. Um, because, you know, yeah, the enemy kills one of them, but you protect the other two. Good job. You got 10 points. 10 points is a perfectly acceptable score on these secondaries. Mm-hmm. But 
if you've got big tanks or anything else that is going to eat up some of these slots, then it's going to be a lot harder to achieve because no matter how tough your tank is, you're probably not going to be able to protect the whole game if it's worth five victory points. Yeah. If, also, if you have characters who you actively send in the army, like missiles such as a smash captain, it's probably not a great plan. Right. Presuming they are your, your expensive models there. Yeah, you're you're looking at like buffing like there's a couple of like good scenarios here you have you have obviously you have the obvious character choices you have buffing you have that buffing unit that just kind of like hangs out um you know behind obscuring cover that they have to like mm-hmm. chase and go get um there's there's a there's a couple of there's a couple of choices here it's just that that a whole highest point value thing needs to needs to for sure happen but you can also at the same time pick units that um your opponent may not want to have to try and kill <laughs> so sure. you know um, directing redirecting firepower via your secondary choices and making it so they're not killing your things that are you know trashing their army is is definitely a strategic choice you can make yeah this one i think is very interesting because it's essentially a choice you make at the army design phase um you know you're you're picking an army such that it either does or doesn't play to this objective um and whether you pick it every game or not is obviously still up to you but um you know some armies are clearly going to be able to do this and some clearly will not Uh, and that's a choice you can make you can say like well i have a 150 point captain i am going to make sure none of my vehicles cost more than 150 points so that i can pick this captain for while we stand we fight yeah, if you're, I think you might see this in certain build, uh, certain like uh, horde builds, if there are any that are relevant. <laughs> uh, yeah, where I you think have, it's definitely going to show have, up. You know, where where your 120 point guy is the most expensive model. Um, so, but you're not going to see it in like the list that brings a bunch of repulsors or something like that. So, yeah, uh, right. It, you, that's the type of stuff you're going to see it in and stuff you can like protect and, and shield with because you don't obviously want to give that up too easily or things that you know you do, you can that can you know there's no reserve limit specifically on this thing something you can reserve for a couple of turns and bring back as you feel yep. like mm-hmm. yeah if it's if you can just hide your characters away in reserve because you, your army doesn't need them then great even better well, I mean, models doesn't like you can use stratagems and are such to hide them and play, you know, play whack a mole with the, you know, we stand, we fight, and then when it comes in, make it incredibly hard to kill it. Put it on the opposite side of the board, and then if it can duck back, you know, there's 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 play. There's some tr- strategic play there where you where you play outside, think outside the box to establish it. But most of the time, like I said, it's yeah. gonna be characters. Yes. Uh, all right. Uh, so the next one is the purge of the enemy category, uh, which is the other kill one. Um, it starts off with a really simple one, Titan Hunters. This one is actually, I feel pretty punishing. That's rude. It's, it, it's pretty hard against your, uh, Titanic based, uh, armies. Um, yeah. you know, we're, we're all looking at knights. What's not, what's not it's, it's for here. knights because you, no one else yeah. is bringing three Titanic models to the table. It's definitely a little rude. Honestly, I feel like it's a bit too much because you'd think like, oh, it's 15 points. You have to kill three Titanic models to max it out. So it's five points each, right? It is not five points. It's 10 points for the first one you kill and then 12 and then 15, which 
Jeez, 10 points for killing one model is pretty backbreaking. This is one I, I kind of feel they maybe should have been a little more kind to knights with. But on the other hand, I don't really like knights as a faction. Uh, they're cool, but I kind of feel like they don't belong in 40k, and maybe GW is starting to get that feeling as well. Because uh, knights can be really punishing for newer players. Um, and this may have been uh, a bit of a reaction to that. Um, but what it means is that knight armies are going to give up an easy 12 to 15 points, and non-knight titanic armies are just not anything. Yeah, they're... It is punishing to that army. I will say other secondaries are pretty hard to score against them, specifically the kill ones. So there needed to be some give and some take. Um, yeah. is, uh, is, is that amount of victory points the correct one? I don't know. I, I, can't, <laughs> I, I can't say that one way or the other. I feel like it is a, a strong move by GW against Knights specifically. Yeah. Yeah, please, like, you can bring bring one, bring two. Uh, don't please please stop bringing four, five. I, it's interesting. I actually feel a little bit the opposite because if you bring a single knight, this objective is still a perfectly valid choice for your opponent because ten points for killing that single knight you brought when you spent three to six CP on him. Um, taking that detachment and buffing him up with some stratagems and all this other stuff, and then you just give up a real easy 10 points out of nowhere. That's rough. Uh -huh. That's really rough. I can, yeah, I can definitely see that. Uh, so let's, let's talk about the other, uh, interesting kill one here. Bring it down. Uh, two, two victory points for every monster or vehicle you kill, and if it had at least 11 wounds, it's instead worth three victory points. What do you, how do you guys feel about this one? Do you think this is, uh, like, an intentional, like, pushback against the vehicle-heavy nature of this edition, or what do, you, what, do you, what do you think? I think they're trying to, while having a large variety of missions to choose from, this, is, this felt like a consolidation of a couple of ITC missions into one. Mm. Um, and it made it so that makes it so you don't need to worry about stacking as much. Uh, you can separate sure. them like they separated them to these groups of three. Um, and they're making it so you're not going to pick like pick, you know, this from one section and then that, another kill director from that, another section. They just made it all relevant. Um, kind of makes it so you don't need a fourth mission and purge the enemy. I think that's the design choice there. Um, yeah, it's fair. Uh, it's easy. It's pretty easy to score in a lot of cases. We're not gonna not gonna lie there. Um, yeah. As far as if if you are bringing monsters and vehicles, uh, it's there's a lot of times where you're gonna be able to score. You know that, that plus ten uh, scenario. Um, it, this is this makes certain armies like one you know even once I had on the on the uh, drawing board like a uh, mech gun uh, spam really punishing uh, the play. I want to step back for both of you. I think these missions are partly trying to discourage giant amounts of spam. You're not spamming a lot of one thing. That's what they're trying to punish. Sure. Well, when I say when I say spam, I'm not like even going rule of three where I can bring 18 mech guns. Just one group of six mech guns, which is just one unit, uh, allows mm. you to score um, this that's, very easily. Yeah, um, so that's 12 it, points it, right yeah, there. Yeah, you can score that's 12 points off of, off of a very inexpensive one 
one unit. So that that said, so when I say it's punishing, I'm not talking like oh I'm bringing the max number. No, I'm just bringing one unit. Um, so stuff like that is you know, and the mech gun's a, a weird case example because it's such a low point model cost. Um, yeah, and they they fit they fit in this niche really well, and you get a bunch of them for real cheap. Uh, so like that's like an extreme example of it being a punishing one. Where there are other ones, right? Yeah, you may, maybe you should take less Lehman Russes in scenarios <laughs> like that. So, the thing that I think is very interesting about this is the uh, the bridge between ten and eleven wounds, because ten wounds is where most people's transports sit. Yeah. Um, so a rhino is only worth two points, and you can potentially bring a lot of them for a relatively low points investment. Um, so, you know, it is very possible that we'll see an army that runs six rhinos, which is a lot to take care of, but that's not even worth full points and bring it down. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, in list design, um, I'm definitely in the phase of if I'm going to make them score 12 points, there's no reason not to let me have me be able to score 15 at that point and just start putting way more vehicles in. Sure. Um, like, if I'm already giving up that many points in the first place, it just give up the fact that you're giving up, bring it down, and take as many as you want of anything at that point. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think we'll see a lot of people lean in on that because the the reality is that your opponent is probably going to be able to max at least one, object, one secondary objective against you. Um, so giving that up is not the worst thing in the world. Although I have seen some people designing lists, and I have tried the idea out myself, um, specifically to avoid giving up any easy kill secondaries. Uh, because something I have noticed when taking missions and, and playing the game is that it's usually pretty easy to pick two secondaries. Most armies will have two secondary objectives that they can pick, and they'll just be like, yeah, yeah, I got these. And it's that third one that is always the agonizer of like, oh, man, I don't know... Oh, I can't do that one, and I'm not going to be able to do this one, and this one is really optimistic. What do I take for my third one? So if you have a, a kill that is just trivially, trivially easy to give up, um, that can be a significant disadvantage. And, and making a list that does not have that is like, well, I can the most I can get out of any of these is six. I'm not going to take them. And my, my commentary on that is that in this edition and rule set of missions, point denial lists were are less wholly designed on the idea of denying your opponent secondaries and denying their ability to score easily um, are a lot harder, actually, to accomplish. Not impossible, but yeah. much harder to build. Mm-hmm. The, the way I've been looking at it is lists with mixed heavy infantry and light to medium vehicles, um, which are going to want those same kind of gun profiles to kill them. So you're getting good saturation, but you're also bringing good scoring and denying easy secondary picks. Um, yep. we, we may see that rise as a solid sort of like cross-faction archetype. Mm-hmm. Let's, uh, let's actually mix up the order a little bit here, because I think it behooves the discussion. Let's talk about Assassinate next. Uh, this one is super simple. Three, character, three points for each character that you kill. This is not hard. Uh, this is another one that anyone who's played ITC or similar will be pretty familiar with. Uh, how do you guys feel this one contrasts with 8th edition? Do you think this is still, like, an easy pick against a lot of armies? 
Depends on where the character is. <laughs> With the elimination of Supreme Command, um, it's a lot harder, yeah. actually. Uh, yeah. You're not, you see less characters total in general. Yes, because no one, you know, no one's bringing triple battalion or double battalion Supreme Command or, or any of these anymore. So your HQ slots are a lot more limited. Um, the other thing is, uh, most of the time when a character is accessible, they're often a vehicle or a monster keyword, and you're probably looking at bring it down already. It's true. Yes, uh, there are a lot of crossover characters like that where you can, uh, you know, they'll count for both of them, so it will depend on what the list is on whether you want to yeah. pick Assassinate or bring it down. Now, when there's characters that fill roles outside the HQ, like in Sisters of Battle and such, yeah, Assassinate sure. is pretty solid pick against that. Um, so, still a fine pick in a lot of scenarios, uh, just in your in the old Hen Hunter 8th edition era, um, it's it's a bit harder uh, by design. Yes, uh, just because there are fewer characters wandering around at random. Uh, although, admittedly, characters are less protected now, uh, since you know you can just blast the unit they're standing next to and then kill the character. Mm-hmm. I think the I think the onus comes down to if they have that many char- if they have characters or a, a multitude of characters, then yes, of course you pick it. Yeah. I don't think I would pick this if they had less than six characters. Uh, you know, they really need to be bringing quite a lot because, you know, expecting to kill five of their characters is pretty optimistic. Mm-hmm. Um, also, speaking of optimistic objectives. <laughs> oh, boy. Yeah, let's do this last one. All right. Cut off the head. So score a number of victory points based on the battle around the enemy warlord was destroyed. You start with 13. 10, 6, 3, 1. Yeah. Considering that everyone can spend some amount of CP to put their warlord in reserve now. Yep. And l- let's be clear here. You pick secondaries before they decide where their warlord is deployed. Yep. I don't see how you could ever get 13 points out of this. That is so profoundly optimistic that I I just cannot imagine the scenario in which that even manages to happen. So what? how many points do I score if someone puts them in reserves and never brings them in? Ah, they are destroyed at the end of the game. So one. <laughs> All right. Uh, yeah, I... <laughs> Honestly, this is this is a really bad pick because I think the plausible first time you destroy your the enemy warlord is turn three. Um, it could happen on turn two, but I don't think you're going to get it unless your opponent really mess plays. And that's six points. You should not be aiming for six points with your objectives. That is not enough. Uh-huh. Uh, that you just you can't do that. Now, there is the tactical thought here of how relevant is your opponent's warlord to their strategy? Yeah. Because stripping them of that might be enough to turn the game against them. So if they have some sort of critical cinch warlord and you've got an assassination unit and you're like, all right, you want that guy out on the table? You want to play down in like army synergy? Let's see what happens. Yeah. But that is the one time. There are a small handful of armies that really rely on one character doing some kind of gimmick, but 
even then, I don't know. I would not I would not feel good about it because armies like that tend to be they know how important their warlord is and they know to protect them. Mm -hmm. uh, and if they just like base him with 20 models in a solid ring uh, and say, you are not going to touch him turn one or turn two. I mean, you have you have warlords like Gaskell, who you know if you you have to, he only takes a certain amount of wounds in a, in a certain phase. So right. you're <laughs> you're not killing Gaskell turn one. Just you're not. You ain't. It ain't gonna happen. Yeah. Um. I don't. I don't think there's ever a time when this is the correct choice, unless you are facing a knight warlord, and you have an absolutely absurd amount of firepower. But why wouldn't I take Titan Killer? Yeah. Um, it, if if they only have the one. But like, if 13. I fail to kill it, like if yeah. they go hot on saves, I still yeah. get ten. <laughs> I, I agree. I don't think you ever should take it. I can see the argument for the Night Warlord when you know if I if I was playing the Super Tuna and there was a Night Warlord. Um, I only need to force a couple failed saves on him to annihilate that guy. Uh, and there's no way he survives past turn two. Um, so that would be the scenario where you could maybe take it, but I still don't think it's the right call. I don't think there's any situation in which you take this. So let's move on to something you actually might possibly take in some game, and something that a lot of people I think will take. Uh, the next category is the Shadow Operations, uh, and ha the first one up here is Raise the Banners High, which has a lot of text attached to it, but it basically... Can I stop you for two seconds, because I was going to say something about Shadow Operations in general. These are the action set. You need to do actions for all of these. Yes, all of these, all of these are about taking actions somewhere specific on the battlefield. Uh... In the case of Raise the Banners High, it is an infantry unit taking an action while standing on an objective. Quick nuance here. It is one of the few that lets characters do it. It is not restricted. Yes. Many of them are restricted to, to no characters. Yeah. Um, and, and partially for that reason, I think that Raise the Banners High is going to be very popular. Um because you take an action, you put a flag on a thing, um, you can't take the action if there's an enemy within range of the objective, and if the enemy takes control of the objective, it knocks your banner down. Mm -hmm. um, but presuming you have banners up, you score one point each of your command phases and one point at the end of the game for each banner. Yep. Uh, how do you guys feel about this one? Because this is one I've seen a lot of contention and I've heard some interesting discussions on. So what do you guys think of this? As a tactical player and a person who loves to deny people points, you mm -hmm. give me the opportunity to deny you points and I'm going to play to that incredibly. Yep. Um, so when people pick raise the banners, raise banners against me, I'm going to try and find a way to completely eliminate from them and then make it stack uh, with one of my secondaries that I'm trying to obtain. Um, yeah. So with this one being objective-based, uh, you know, or like if they, or, you know, with certain missions where with any deployment zone shenanigans and such like that, I I would be happy to see people pick raised banners. But raised banners are actually yeah. pretty, easy, pretty, easy, pretty easy to score. 
Um, and it's hard to like completely prevent people from doing it all over the place, especially with like little infantry units in the back. Just be like, oh, cool. I'm going to raise banners here. It's like, well, can't do anything about it. Cool. And yeah. I'm not going to waste my firepower on, on that guard squad. Mm-hmm. No, thank you. Shailen, what's your take? I haven't used it very successfully, but I'm still learning how to play the game. So, yeah. Um, also, mm-hmm. I play Grey Knights, which can't really afford to have a unit of Terminators raising a banner. They just can't. Yeah, that I think that's a an easy initial th- takeaway there is if you're playing an elite army, you probably can't take this. Yeah, uh, unless you have little bitty characters to go raise banners for you. So that's kind of its its flip side is you got little MSU guardsmen. Great, this is probably a good pick for you. You got. Do you want to turn your horde unit off for a turn? There's a question. Yeah, that's a tough choice. You don't really want thirty orcs to be doing nothing. Yeah, I like I like this for once again uh, those non HQ characters, those elites um, that just yep. give auras. Uh, this is really good for them. This is really good for transport play. Like, oh look, my rhino is raising the banner. Cool. Uh, no, infantry only. Yeah. Oh, not infantry. Oh, I can't read the fucking rules. <laughs> yeah, oh, that's why he's evil. Uh, my bad. Yes. Oh. Uh, I was thinking. I was thinking. I'm like, oh, that'd be really good for infantry. Well, I would still. I can move. I can move my transport up and disembark, or disembark yeah. and move my uh, transport up and yep. cause some move blocking and fun stuff there. Um, but it, yeah, those sort of MSU like transport armies, I think, will play this one well. Uh, but they're also very good at denying it to the enemy, um, and that's actually the thing that I would be most concerned with on this one. As as Ben noted, it's one of the few objectives where your opponent can turn off your ability to do it um and while it is a relatively easy pick and it's an easy like medium number of points like you can no one's going to stop you from getting four out of this and you can probably get six or eight unless you're facing someone who like really knows the the board and can move their units wherever they want on it um they might zero you on this if you're not careful uh-huh and that is not something you can survive. If you get a zero on one of your secondaries, you're in real trouble. Well, the, the cool part about this one is you can score a crap ton of it uh, within one turn. Like, if you, if you get on three objectives immediately and, and you're able to banner them all, like, it's true. Uh, you, know, you can score six points a turn and max it out real quick. So th- th- there's a flip side there. Yeah, I mean, you're never going to get six out of this. Uh, your opponent would have to basically be incompetent to get six points out of raise the banners on a single turn uh but three to four points for a board control army is not unreasonable if your opponent can't easily contest that i could see myself in situations where like if i'm if i'm pushing my opponent into a corner um and they're like winning on certain other secondaries but mm. i'm able to like score like th- this this is going to be really point swingy um if you have a lot of units and you're pushing you're, you're able to like ab- establish one turn of like complete board control yeah um and your opponent doesn't have a good turn or a good response this could get really point swingy like let's say you end up on four of six or four or five and you're like oh well, well you have all these little characters or this guy can't uh do i really want this uh guy to shoot no he's just gonna he's just gonna activate here instead mm. like that you know that you can this can get really point swingy um yeah because you could potentially like because if you're getting like four or five points out of this that also probably means you 15 zeroed your opponent that turn um in my 
that's my big life. thing there is a uh, is that I'm a uh, it's 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 win Mori, but also it's a situation of let's say I did really bad for the first two turns, and then I was able to like do some counter charging and such like that. This could mm-hmm. super put you back in a game. It can. Um, uh, it's easy to forget that you this one, even though it scores at the beginning of the turn, does essentially have five turns of scoring because you also scored at the end of the game. Yes. Yeah. It's uh, the th- the thing I like about it is that it it gives a chance to score a, is to you know how you have the other ones where uh, you need all five turns to for sure score uh, a plus mm. ten or, or fifteen on it. This one, if you just start winning, <laughs> um, yeah. you could you could really swing it back in just a matter of three turns. Yep, it's uh, you potentially can get a lot of points out of it if you have a couple good turns, which is interesting. Uh, and it's comparatively easy to max relative to the other ones in this category. Uh, so let's talk about the the next one, which I'm, I'm not sure how to feel about yet. Investigate sites. Um, you get three victory points every time you complete the uh, action, which is a non-character infantry unit within six of the center of the board and no enemies there. Uh, takes an action. Completed at the end of your turn. Um, so you have to do it every turn of the game to get 15, but it's also in the center of the board where there's often no objective. What's your, do you guys have a feeling on this one? What's, have you seen much discussion of it or or thoughts there? The way I look at it is that one is, I would pick it mostly based on terrain and partly on mission. Um, because mm-hmm. there are no objectives in the center of the table on many missions, it's not really a place that's necessarily contested. So it yeah. might be completely viable just to... Pl- and there's also a place that's very favored to put terrain in because it's really nice to have a centerpiece of terrain on tables. So it might be a vi- pliable to mm-hmm. plop something in a piece of terrain and just do that every turn. Um, especially if it's a unit mm. that uh, you can replace easily with something. Right, just roll up your your ten man guard squad and be like, taking this the center objective, and they can shoot them, but then you'll just send another one in next turn. Basically, yeah. What comes to mind here for me is your bully units, the units that your uh, opponent yeah. doesn't want to charge into. You have them go sit in the middle, have them go hang out. They don't need to shoot. You yep. score at the end of your turn. It doesn't need to score in the command phase. Um, so you just, you, you just go in the middle with a big bully unit and you're like, cool. You, if you don't, you need to answer it. You need to do something about it. They're going to sit there and score. And if I have terrain, oof, like then especially terrain that they had to engage me in melee in, you just, your, your opponent's playing into your pocket at that point. But yeah. this is, I definitely want to play this with like Blightler Terminators and Custodies. Oh God. Yeah. And other yeah. crazy stuff where it's just like, where it's like, yeah, go ahead, try and move me, do it. And yes. Then, for the this is favors elite armies because they can bring that big block unit you don't want to touch. I think non-elite armies certainly can do it, but the as Ben said, like that bully or as Shayla mentioned, like the the really elite, like you know, like a five or six man block of custodes uh, is not easy to push off the center either. Um, so that bully unit not only taking the center where it can threaten the objectives nearby, but also scoring three points a turn while it does it, because Lord knows that shooting with Bolgren is is not really your primary problem there. <laughs> um, 
is a, a very good dual plan. Yeah, you don't you don't want to do it with units you actually need to shoot. So you know, mm-hmm. or do other things throughout the turn. So it's not it's not the perfect fit for all elite bully type stuff. Um, but it's it definitely is. It's playing to a scenario where let's say you can. It doesn't specifically need to be um, your who you choose to investigate doesn't need to be specifically that unit. You can have a support yeah. unit uh, with them do that. So like if I if I took the 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 middle with a bunch of mega knobs and push them up a bit farther, the group of grots that you know I bring along for grot shields and whatnot can still you know just move and hang back and score that if I want them to. Yep. Um, mm-hmm. yeah, so like they're they're. There, there's a there's a there's a decent amount of flexibility here for it, and if you have any sort of army build, um, if you have any sort of of, uh, of army build that plays to the strength of, um, you know, blobbing up into a large cohesive group and moving and like taking the middle of the board and you know making that your operating zone, then this is for you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that actually contrasts quite a lot with the next one here, which is deploy scramblers. Uh, you have uh, an action that you want to take with an infantry unit, obviously not a character, uh, three times during the game in three different areas. Once in your opponent's zone, once in your own zone, and once six side out of six inches outside of either player's zone. And if you can do that three times, you get ten points. And if you do it two times, you get zero points. Uh... What do you guys think of this one? Because this is one of the ones that does not cap at 15. You can never max this one. So uh, do you think this is like a, a good choice for a lot of armies? Or would you shy away from something like this? It depends on, um, again, like certain elite armies will be less inclined to do it because you're asking an entire unit to be quiet for a turn, which is a lot. Um, on the other hand, I can say that it's like, well, I send a sacrificial unit of interceptors, shunt them into my opponent's zone turn one, gate something into the middle. Mm-hmm. Well, I can't use gate, but I have a unit in the center of the table. Um, oh, look, bam, 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 done. And then I'm done for the whole game. I'll have to think about it anymore. What is this? He doesn't cap because that's at the beginning of secondary objectives. I, I'm sorry. It only scores 10 points, period. Either scores 10 or it doesn't. Yes. Yeah, it's 10 or 0. No in-between. Um, okay, I'm, I'm like, I'm like, well, I mean, it doesn't cap, but also, okay. Right, I mean, you, you cap your points on it, but it does not reach the maximum from a single secondary, which is 15. Oh, okay. But I think I think Shailene kind of hit the, the nail on the head. Um, you really only need to take one actual action to complete this which is the one in your opponent's deployment zone that's the one that you're going to have to try for the one in your zone like how are you not finishing that and the one in the middle should not be difficult at all because you you start at the end of your movement phase and you finish at the end of the turn um so you just sort of like walk a unit into the middle and then you have them take the action Mm um and you can deep strike the last one Yes, and I think that is what is really like, there are so many armies that have a cheap deep-striking infantry unit that they can just put in the enemy zone and take that action, and it you just sort of do it, mm-hmm. and you yeah, get this 10 is, points. This is definitely one of those, I don't know what to pick, I want 10 points. Yep. But I'm going to take this. 
one really important caveat here that some people are going to mess up on uh, because it's a little bit different for other uh, objectives. Um, you normally cannot take more than one of the same action per turn. Um, Raise the Banners has a special exception there, but you cannot do more than one deploy Scrambler's action in the same turn. So it is going to take three different actions on three different turns to complete it. Uh, you don't have to do them in order. You can do the enemy one first and then the other two if you want to. Um, but be aware that you have to spend three turns doing it. And you can use turns later in the game, theoretically, if you have, like, oh, my Terminator unit's down to one model. Well, I don't care if I turn that guy off. Yes. Yep. Uh, depleted units are a great choice for taking actions, especially to deploy Scrambler's action, which has very few qualifiers on where you're taking it. There are large sections of the board that qualify for each of those three actions. Uh, so let's hit the last one in here, which I'm, I'm, I don't know, I'm not a big fan of this one. Maybe you guys are a little bit different. Teleport Homer. You get four victory points each time you complete the specific action, uh, which is one infantry unit, which can be a character, uh, at the end of your movement phase, must be wholly within the enemy's deployment zone, and is completed at the end of your next command phase. So this one, unlike the others, you're gonna have to survive the enemy turn to do it. But it is worth four victory points each. I don't like it for the most part, asterisk. Yeah. There are specific armies I would play this against. Um, if I know, like if I if I know it's gonna be a castle of some sort. Mm. Um, I'm, I'm going to be like, oh, they're going to, and like, it's like a long deployment where I know I can go into the other corner of their deployment without any issue. Mm. I, I'd probably take it there. Um, but you know, especially if I want to be like, okay, I'd I'd rather score 15 rather than 10. Um, that's, that's when I'd start looking at it is in situations where I want to for sure score more than 10. Um, is be like, okay, they're going to castle in this corner. I'm just going to take teleport homework because they can't stop me. Um, so it, it, compared to deploy scramblers, it feels like a lot of work for often not much of an upside. Uh, there's one. Oh, go ahead, Shay. It stacks with line breaker. So if you're able to do that yeah. kind of like bam push, maybe it's the right thing for you. I, I don't really think this is a very strong one. I think there's a lot of problems. Deploy Scramblers also stacks with Line Breaker, though, because I feel yeah. you have to compare Deploy sta Scramblers and Teleport Homer. Both of them require you to get an infantry unit into the enemy deployment zone. Um, this one you need to wait. Yeah, it the the problem with Teleport Homer is because of the, uh, you know, you have to last all the way through the enemy turn. Um, that's obviously disadvantage. Mm -hmm. And that also means that there's only four turns of the game you can potentially score it on, which is another disadvantage, and really only three, because, you know, you're not starting it on turn five, and you're not going to get in the enemy deployment zone with an infantry unit turn one. So, uh, turns two, three, and four are the only chances you have to do it, really? Which means that the most you can get out of this is 12? Except in rare situations where you can, I guess it's possible you could move but not in advance an infantry unit. 
I guess, okay, so Shaylin would be the one person because you could shunt. move a unit of intercessors and shunt them over because that happens in the movement phase. But almost nothing else can get into the enemy deployment zone turn one with an infantry unit and be well, able to get... Dark Matter Crystal into jump and all that fun stuff, but... That disrupts the action. Oh, it disrupts the action. The jump is in the psychic phase, yeah. Um, Dark Matter Crystal would work, yeah. though. Um, but, you know, that's only one unit from your army, which they're probably going to then focus on that to try and kill it if there's yeah, any chance. Yeah, goodbye, goodbye, Zangors. Goodbye. Yeah. Uh, well, so, I mean, ten rubrics might might live. Maybe, yeah, maybe. it's possible. There's terrain. It's, it's so... It's yeah, so it's, it's niche. It's bad. For, Asterisk. <laughs> yeah. It, you, anytime you think about taking this, you should probably take deploy scramblers instead. Yeah. Uh, because very rarely will it get you more points, and it's so much easier to fail it. So our final category is the Warpcraft one, uh, which Shaylin is quite familiar with. Yes. I'm gonna put a small preface on this because. Um, sure. Grey Knights are a thing now, so people need to know. The Grey Knight uh, chapter tactic is worded such they get a plus one to cast these. Yeah, because they get, they have a plus one for psychic tests, uh, which is what most of the psychic bonus things will say, is they say psychic tests not manifest a power. Because these are not manifesting a power, they are, but they are psychic tests. Yes, so that is a, a relevant thing to know. For opponents that have, there are various characters that have pluses to cast, so it's important to know that that can be relevant. Yes. Yeah. Uh, so let's talk about the three psychic action ones first, and then we'll hit the other one in this category. <laughs> the anti different, one, of course. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so the the first up is mental interrogation. Um, three points each time you complete the following action. Uh, a Psyker character, all of these require Psyker characters, just Psychic units cannot do it, so no Thousand Suns, no Grey Knights, uh, none of these are going to be able to take the action. But Psyker character does a Warp Charge for action while within 18 inches of an enemy character. Uh, and presuming that they don't shut it down, you get your three victory points. Oh. Uh, what are your what are your feelings on this one? So, um, for armies that have characters that usually throw out like one or two buff powers, um, such as say an astropath, um, basically a mm -hmm. throwaway psyker, and they have they are facing someone with aggressive units. This can be very good because it's like, oh yeah, they brought their characters close to me. Toss, toss, toss. Uh, sure. for. Big ol' friends like Magnus that will attract a million bullets and then mm. some. This may not be as good because he is throwing away all of his casts and he's getting shot yeah. at. <laughs> Though yeah. notably you can still act normally after a psychic action. It doesn't throw away your character's turn. So Right, just their psychic action. Just their, their psychic, psychic phase. phase. So that's a big advantage there. So, um... Basically, if you have confidence that there's going to be characters within 18 inches of your psychic characters, this might be a consideration for you. Mm -hmm. um, with Grey Knights, considering your characters are your only way to get access to Dominus, this might be a very hard thing to throw away as one of those powers. So you got to think about it. That's true. Uh, ben, how do you? Where, where do you sit on this? Um, I'm, I'm mixed on it to be honest. Um, this is only really what, like, as Shailen said, you're more 
uh, expendable uh, psychers. You're not going to be use your three or two cast psychers on this too often. Um, yeah, your single cast psychers are gonna are gonna be what shine here. Um, specifically the ones that are more just kind of like, do I really need this buff or do I really need to do this little thing? Um, mm-hmm. it, it, it's going to shine in chaos, uh, somewhat cause they have the ability to have a bunch of, a bunch of psychic characters and then be like, mm-hmm. well, maybe I don't need this one spell this turn. Um, right. and they have the flexibility to pick and choose. They don't need to be like, okay, these two characters are going to be the people doing mental interrogation. And this is the type of army that's going to move as one big blob, you know, and that's what current chaos type of builds are going to do mm-hmm. um at, le- at least when if you look at certain list bu- list builds that some uh, folks are throwing around um but that's it, it it builds to a style of army um it won't be something that in fact all of these warcraft ones obviously build to a style of army <laughs> yeah <laughs> so i think you're, you're... much more than the other secondaries the warcrafts are going to be a sort of like you either have the kind of army that can do it or you don't yes I agree. Yeah. So there, it's going to be, yeah, once again, you're going to be like, oh, well, um, I don't have psychers, so pour the witch and then score some easy points against a lot of armies. Sure. Or you're going to be on the other end of it and like, okay, I have a bunch of psychers. Let's see if I can take advantage mm-hmm. of them. Yeah. This also an important uh, caveat on this is that you need that enemy character with an 18. Uh, and if the enemy has a lot of support characters that they can, like, leave at the back and just cast buff spells, this may be kind of difficult to do. That's why I said you need the enemy characters close to you. So if their characters are forward characters, this is a lot better. Yes. Um, interestingly, this almost works as a counterpoint to Abhor the Witch, which we'll talk about in just a minute. Um, because it's so easy to shut this psychic action down. But... If your enemy has no psychers, which is a prerequisite for abhor, um, then they obviously can't do that. And Free points. if the enemy characters, oh, and if the enemy characters have to sit more than eighteen away from you when you're moving into midfield, that's that's going to be a really rough place for them to be. Like you don't want to be twenty or thirty inches away from the enemy because then you're not on any objectives. Mm-hmm. Um, so I feel like this one in, in many ways is kind of the polar opposite of, of a poor the witch, um, because it, it really sort of says like, oh, if you have no psychers, I'm just going to get 15 or 12 out of this. Yes. Um, and I will point out that like a lot of the Grey Knight 2 caster characters know a power plus shitty GK smite. I don't feel bad losing shitty mm-hmm. GK smite. Yes. Uh, similarly, Eldar are in a situation where they have very cheap characters that know one power and have a bad smite. Uh, and those are the perfect kind of characters to give up their psychic for a, an action. Mm-hmm. It's like, you know what? I'm, my 18-inch jinx ain't going to do anything today, so... Right. I don't need to jinx your guardsmen, so guess what? I'm going to get three points. Yeah. That sounds like an Eldar plan. Uh yeah, so uh, Psychic Ritual is the next one in this uh, category. Uh, this one is real weird. So, it is another all or nothing. You either get 15 points out of it or zero points out of it. Uh, in order to get the 15, one character, or one Psychic Unit that is a character, uh, must take this specific action three times during the battle. 
Uh, it's warp charge three, so basically impossible to fail um, unless the enemy denies it. But you have to be within six of the center of the battlefield and do that three times. Doesn't care whether there are any enemies there. That's an important one Shaylin and I learned. Uh -huh. um, but it does have to be the same character three times. That's the the kind of the issue is many psychic characters aren't particularly fast. Like there are fast ones, don't get me wrong, but getting there and staying there, it can take one to two turns to get there if they're just a foot slogger. Yep. Um, this might be better for like a blood angels person who knows wings to just like zoom, zoom. I sit here and I do this. Yeah, the, the warlock on bike comes to mind here as someone who can, you know, Use terrain, use his speed at his advantage, come up, do his thing. Um, mm -hmm. But then he's not casting other spells, and that's rough. So I, I think this is a pretty situational one. Um, I don't like the all or nothing here, uh, especially since it is de somewhat deniable by your opponent. Um, yeah. By, you know, just simply killing that character. Like, oh, I, that's the one guy I need to kill to deny yeah, you 15 secondary points? Cool. Here's a smash captain. You've, you've finished two psychic actions with him, huh? It would be a shame if a Smash Captain came over there and had something to say about it. Uh, yeah. I, I would be excited for my opponent to take Psychic Ritual in those cases. It's surprisingly yeah. hard to do. Um, sometimes your opponent, if your opponent yes. doesn't have a good way to snipe your character, and you have a good vehicle for getting your character there, and like, he's probably going to have to be protected, honestly. You're going to have to put some protection in there. So if there's a middle yeah. scrumble there, maybe. But again, sometimes you don't want to go scrumbling for the middle. Yeah, that, that's what I would say. This one is, what you really want with this is um, a situation where there is no objective in the middle. So your opponent doesn't have a strong reason to fight you there. And the ability to put a psychic character and a unit that can reasonably protect them. Mm -hmm. um, you know, your five-man Terminator or a couple of rhinos or something like this. So that they don't just get blasted and die. Um, and make it difficult enough for your opponent to <laughs> stop you from doing this. That it is not... They, they have to give up too much of their other game plan. Because... People are going to be willing to give up a lot of game plan to stop you from getting 15 points. 15 points is a lot of points. Yes. So you are going to need to make it very inconvenient for them in order to make this worthwhile. Um, but that said, if you are facing an army with no psychic defense like Tau or Necrons, uh, and especially Tau, where they are not really going to want to walk into the middle of the table and start punching your guy... Um, this can be a very easy 15 points. Mm -hmm. um, that Elder yeah, Warlock, accompanied by a pair of Wave Serpents, just slides in the middle of the table and is just bam, bam, bam. All right, I'm done. Yeah. You know, there's uh, other, other than being a little bit scared of a, of a commander coming out of nowhere to melt his face off, he'd probably mm -hmm. be just fine. Um, yeah. So then I, I don't see a lot of opportunity to... That where I would feel comfortable taking this, but that's just my play style. Um, it there's is, a lot of situations where I'd be very happy for my opponent to take it. It is very high risk. Let's, let's be explicit about that. When you take this, you are making a gamble. But that may be a very worthwhile gamble if your opponent has doesn't have a great plan to stop it. Um, but Once again, those gun yeah. castles look worse and worse <laughs> yes. as we go along. 
Yeah. Uh, if your opponent's plan is to sit in their deployment zone, I mean, you're going to win the game anyways, but suddenly this becomes just comically easy to do. Um, so think long and hard before you take this one, but don't write it off because 15 points from three actions is a really big deal. Yeah. Uh, so the last psychic action one. Which I think is the worst one. Oh, it's a mess. Like, we were a little hard on Psychic Ritual, but Pierce the Veil, the, the last Psychic Action one, is, it's so bad. <laughs> um, so, it's another, you know, need to take the action with a Psychic character, very low warp charge. You can only take this action if you are within six of the enemy's battlefield edge, and more than six from enemy models. Um, so already you've got a pretty harsh restriction there. Just like getting the enemy's deployment edge is even harder than getting in their deployment zone. In addition to this, this is the, the real kicker because apparently you needed this too. You do this one time, zero points. You do this two times, eight points. No, you get eight for one or more. No, it's two times. It's eight, it's eight for one or more. Yeah, eight, you score eight victory points at the end of the battle if one or more... Oh, no, one or more units completed it two or more times. Yes. Um, so eight for two times, zero for one time. And if you do it three times, it's 15. It's four plus times. Or is it... Oh, no, it's... it's uh, I'm sorry, it's four, it's four times for 15. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to give this one the award for worst secondary of this edition it's right there with cut off the head is it worse than is it worse than cut off the head cut off the head i can still score points on yeah you can get you can reasonably expect eight points out of this Uh, Uh, i knew i knew cut off the head was gonna was gonna come up there and i I was like you know what I, i as a i i know i can deny and do a really good job denying but that still gives up a point if my opponent takes pierce the veil if they score points against me, I'm going to feel real bad. <laughs> well, I mean, I think there's a little bit of a uh, a teleport homer situation here. You can deep strike a character into the enemy lines and take this action, and you you could plausibly get it off twice. I don't think that's unreasonable. And that's eight points. Eight points is not an amazing score, but it's an okay score. Mm-hmm. Look... That's the one thing that, this is the one mission that the Incarn's good at. (laughs) (laughs) I don't think you're wrong. (laughs) It's, yeah, okay, that's fair. Um, Like, the Incarn is amazing at this mission, okay? Good job, Incarn. Yeah. But I don't think we need to talk about this one a whole lot more. It's bad. You shouldn't take it. You should either be taking Teleport Homer, which infantry characters can take as an action, and it is not an all or nothing, um, or you should be taking Psychic Ritual, which is much easier to get 15 points out of, uh, and you don't have to dive into the enemy deployment zone to do it. Um, Pierce the Veil is mostly going to be a mistake. And I, I feel that is a pretty solid call at this point. I take it versus new players to give them a chance. Sure, as a, as a joke or a meme, <laughs> all right. But as as a real choice in a competitive no. game, don't do it. Um, all right, so let's talk about the last one in this category that we have kind of been avoiding up until now. Abhor the Witch. Yes. You cannot take this objective 
if you have any psychers in your army, even one will lock you out of Abhor the Witch. But it gives you five points for every psychic character and three points for every psyker that the enemy that you kill on the enemy side. And that stacks with assassinate or other objectives of that type. So if you take this against Grey Knights, you're probably getting 15 points. Yes. Um, I know, Shaylin, you obviously don't like seeing this one. Uh, I'm just like, eh, whatever. I mean, some armies will have a lot of trouble shifting my two plus, my one up armor with minus one in cover. So they Mm -hmm. might actually have a bad time with that. Mm-hmm. There's, I mean, you have to give up the fact that you have your own psychic powers to do it, though. So there's, yes, that's, with less characters and less HQs, there are more armies out there debating the fact of that they're actually going to bring a psychic or not. So before the witch becomes more of an mm-hmm. option, mm-hmm. Um, but for a lot of armies, this just isn't takeable. But if yeah. you're like, if you, if you, if you, if you know your meta, like if if Green Knights happens to be the king of the meta. Then yeah, you you build against them and take them before the witch because it's way easier to score against yeah. them. Yes. On the other hand, they're probably scoring psychic ritual against you or mental interrogations. So yeah, I think there's balance there. Well, I think there's two really important considerations with abhor the witch. Um, the first of which is that you are giving up any pretense of psychic defense to get it unless you bring a Colexus or similar unit, which offers you a limited way to deal with your opponent's psychic powers, but is not as good as a denial. Uh Um, So, and an important part of that is you give up your psychic defense against all the opponents you play, not just the Grey Knight player. Every game you have where your opponent brought a Psyker and you didn't, you're just going to be sitting there staring at their powers and accepting it. And that's rough. Um, Mm. If that Eldar player Doom and Jinxes you, your unit's in some serious trouble. And having no way to stop that is going to be a problem. So you can certainly build for this to like have an edge against those armies with psychers, not just gray knights and, and thousand sons, but all armies that bring psychers. Um, but you're giving up all your psychic defense and including against those psychic, uh, secondaries that we talked about. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you don't have any ability to stop those either. Uh, but the flip side of this is that, um, you really don't want to bring three psychers unless you're bringing five psychers. Because psychers are generally not very tough. They're, they're typically fairly easy to kill compared to other HQ and character options. Uh-huh. And so it won't be that hard to assassinate your three psychers. Because they're also doing damage to themselves with, with uh, perils. Uh, perils of the warp sometimes. So that makes them just even easier. So bringing three psychers means that your opponent, they, they can plausibly kill two of those guys. That's ten points. That's what you want out of an objective. You don't really want to give your opponent an easy ten. Having psychers in your army can open you up to that for Abhor. So I feel like the existence of Abhor the Witch is going to constrain a lot of armies to one or two psychers. Uh-huh. Do you guys think that's going to be the case? It's going to be the similar situation to where I mentioned about um, the vehicle meta, where if you're going to, you know, if you're already puking those points anyway, take more. Like mm. it, if you're if you're already well, that deep, no, you're gonna you're just gonna take more. And 
the elephant in the room with abhor the witch is obviously your non-psyker armies that don't have a choice either way right you know you're, you're, you know your town necron armies are gonna be like oh boy playing <laughs> playing against the psyker yes, army uh, guess i'm gonna but- score a bunch of points the army that wins the most out of this is sisters because they still have denies. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say I'm like sisters actually like this literally is built for sisters. Like, yeah, kind of <laughs> is. Uh, although that does mean giving up taking an inquisitor in their army, which is not a trivial thing to do. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I think it it's gonna be a very all or nothing kind of choice. Although um, to Ben's point about like if you're gonna go go deep. Um, not many armies can take, like, six or seven psychers outside of, uh, Grey Knights and Thousand Sons who have non-character psychers. Um, most armies just don't have the HQ slots to do that anymore. Mm-hmm. It's just not an option for them. So I think that is... Well, I'm seeing, like, the, like, the Astropath, uh, line of things where you have non-HQ, uh, psyker slots. I, the Astropath that, so. is the, actually the only one of those I can think of. Uh... There's the Astropath, there's the Slotted Inquisitor, because it doesn't take a slot. Um, sure. There really aren't a lot of non-HQ uh, psychers. They're, they're fairly rare. I think Eldar they do have exist. a handful. Like, Spirit Seers? Um, the Bone Singer has been relegated to Legends, so that is the only one yeah, they have. Yeah, they're all HQ otherwise. All right, yeah. well, I it's, guess... It, it's I guess not... So, well, and some armies are going to take two or three detachments. That is something you will see uh, because they want those uh, HQs. So you will see like battalion plus double patrol occasionally. Mm-hmm. That army can bring seven psychers in theory, but I don't think that's going to be very common. I think that's uh, something of an outlier. Yeah. All right. Well, that covers all of the secondary objectives. Uh, what are you guys' sort of broad takeaways from this? What's your your overall feeling on how you think secondaries in Ninth Edition are going to finish? Uh, ben, you want to start us off here? Uh, this existing in the chapter-approved book um, tells me that they are to be determined in the future um, as we enter mm. through our new our new edition. Um, so anything that's too crazy or anything that is horribly bad, you can expect it to change. We're not stuck with these. Yeah, um, that's. A I think one. that's a big point. <laughs> a big point to make about these is the fact that they are subject to change. Um, they are subject to change in a regular basis. Um, so like, I would say expect changes. Um, I wouldn't expect like there's the obviously bad ones where they're they're going to add some sort of subtext to them, like cut off the head and such. Mm-hmm. Um, but the rest of them, I'm relatively happy with these. This is this is a a mostly balanced situation, um, and as long as you read through them right and read the parts, you know, read through them thoroughly, unlike I did, um, <laughs> there, there there's not many that I disagree with too much. Um, I guess, like yeah. as I mentioned, the one the one case where uh, I think like, hey, you know, intercessor spam just just you know doesn't get punished anymore, but yeah. you know that that's okay um that's also something that can be fixed and um there's no room for saying they wouldn't add more missions in general uh if they find out that like hey maybe we want to add more choice here yeah can i cut in real quick here uh one thing we know will be included in the codexes is 
unique secondaries for each of the factions in the game. We've already seen one of the example ones for Space Marines. We're not going to talk about it because I think that's too far afield at this point. But each codex is going to have at least one and probably several secondaries that are specific to it. And I think that will be add some interesting play to all this. Sorry, go ahead. Yeah, and I think I think that'll be a fun way to also buff specific armies that don't score certain secondaries well, or or it's true. Otherwise, I think I think that I think GW has an opportunity there. I'm a little bit scared of it because um, I'm scared there's gonna be one yeah. that's gonna be way too easy. Um, we'll see. But but given that um, this this entire little book, this entire how they're setting the game up now is encouraging. I am mm-hmm. more than encouraged about the health of this game and where it's going. Excellent. Uh, Shaywin, what, what's, what, what do you have to say? So my thought here is, with the handful of exceptions of the three we brought up that were the most problematic, all of them are doable. Mm-hmm. All of them make sense. Yeah. Um, I'm not offended by any of them. I'm still learning them. There's situations where some of them have yet to show when they're least optimal, I feel, for me. Mm-hmm. But I'm just like, you know, this... This looks fun. Um, they look, they're tenable. And if you've never played with secondaries before, it's it's not that hard to learn. These ones aren't super complicated. In fact, they're actually pretty simple, which I like. Um, one of the things I hated yeah. about ITC Engineers was four paragraphs of text. Oh, boy. That's gone. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. So I, I just feel that this is a completely story stead. I'm glad everyone's playing the same game now. There's no, well, this number came from Nova rules and this one came from Renegade rules. Mm-hmm. So I don't know who's the better player. Well, we're all playing the same game. Yeah. I think the one thing that I really wanted to touch on that I kind of, that I've made remarks on when we got our last uh, ITC rules packet and then it also includes this new rule set um, is it, is it does encourage uh, multi-factor play. Yes. You're not going you're not going to be in a situation to where oh my army shoots real good and that's it and then that army, you know, still s- scores, you know, a million points. Mm-hmm. Like there's you there's definitely a lot more uh, tactical play here. It's forced. It's like you have to do things, you have to take actions, you have to move around, you have to hold things. Yep. Um in order to and you can't just pick all of one, so uh, I like the fact that they took from that uh, school of thought because um, forcing a dynamic play makes for a better game. Yep. Yeah, I I very much agree with what both of you have said there. Uh, do we have any final comments we want to add to things before we close out the episode here? Don't got anything. All right. Well, we've uh, run a little bit longer than normal, but I think given the the depth of the subject that we wanted to dive in here, that's okay. People will, will accept just this one time if we, we go a bit over the top. Uh, hopefully all of our listeners have enjoyed this. Uh, and if you have any comments, questions, you want to get in contact with us, you can find us on inthefinesthour at gmail.com, as well as on Facebook and on Patreon, where if you would really like to support us, uh, we, for $5 a month, you can gain access to our 
private Discord channel where we talk about all kinds of nonsense, post our painting, put up bad 40k memes, yell at each other about the general hellish state of the world right about now, you know, do all the, the normal things you do on a Discord channel with your friends. Uh, and you also get access to some bonus episodes and things like that when we put those out. So thank you to all of our listeners who've supported us during this uh, kind of awkward time here. But now that we're putting out episodes again on the regular, uh, everyone will have something to listen to every Monday morning, just like usual. Like to do a huge shout out to Rylan Woodrow for doing our awesome, awesome iconography. He is on a roll. You can find him at Facebook at Art of Rylan Woodrow. Uh, Facebook. Um, he's also on Instagram mm-hmm. and a couple other places. So go find him. He's awesome. And if you like our wonderful tunes, be sure to follow Dank Muse on SoundCloud, Spotify, and YouTube. All right. Well, I think that is another episode. Um, I'm not even sure what we're going to do next week. We're kind of grabbing to the dark just because we got so many interesting subjects to hit on right now. There's so much to talk about. We might we might have to keep just plowing into maybe even more than one episode a week if we get re- feeling real antsy. <laughs> Uh, but I'm sure we'll have something. So for In the Finest Hour, I've been Sean Morgan. Shailen Allen West. Ben Drake. Thanks for listening.